are now listening to Wisdom from North podcast with me, Jannike Einias. Here I will explore topics such as metaphysics, spirituality, personal growth, and in general, how we can create good lives for ourselves. My intention is to find some answers, but perhaps more importantly, finding new questions to ask, because there is always something new to discover in this wonderful universe that we live in. In Wisdom from North, we're passionate about helping you take your spiritual growth to that next level. That's why we are collaborating with some amazing spiritual teachers and partners who offer free webinars and classes. Go to wisdomfromnorth.com forward slash free. Disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to the guests and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of Wisdom from North or any entities they may represent. Now, please enjoy the episode. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Julie. A warm welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. What a delight to be with you. I'm excited for our conversation today because I just met you last week. Uh, I was interviewed by you on your show, Ask Julie, and you ask so many interesting questions. Uh, and I love that, like, you know, questions that people don't always ask me. And now I'm curious to get to know you because you have your YouTube channel, Ask Julie, and your podcast, and you're doing so much amazing work. You are an author of the uh, Angelic Attendance uh, you also have psychic abilities and you also have sort of seen the phases of our transition. Like when we die, we're going through different phases, which I'm really curious to learn more about. So I think we'll go down that path to speak about, you know, the afterlife. And if, you know, our loved ones are really waiting for us, have this work before because I find, find it very soothing for people who are losing people, have lost people, and you're in this work yourself, you know, working with clients who are losing people. So I feel this is important information. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. So any, I, I'm game for anything you want to ask, girl, ask away. 
Lovely. First, I'm curious about, have you always had these abilities or did you cultivate them or did something happen that sort of cracked you open? I learned how to do, I, I tell people that I'm a businesswoman and an inventor who learned how to do woo-woo and I'm a buffet of psychicness. So how okay. about that? So it, in short, yes, I learned how to do all of this stuff. I did not come in with dead people chasing me or if they were, I didn't know anything about it, let alone what I would have done with that information. So I learned how to do all of these skills and everybody comes in with the ability. It's just a matter of developing and enhancing it. And this is what I teach people around the world how to do is how to do all the, once you connect with spirit, you can do it all. There's no reason to segregate it or silo it. You got the pet psychics and the mediums and the medical intuitive people and all that. Once you connect with spirit, you can do it all. That's what I teach. So explain to us how your abilities work. What are you actually seeing? Because I understand you scan people's energies and you look into our bodies or... Yes, yeah. I'm like I'm like a human MRI. I am an inventor of surgical devices sold throughout the world and a former manufacturer of surgical devices. And so I have a general understanding of medical stuff. Now I have an anatomy book with big full color <laughs> pictures of what the vascular system looks like and what the heart looks like and what the kidneys look like. And I've used those over the years, but, but yeah, I connect to somebody anywhere in the world and it says if I'm looking at an X-ray or a CT scan or an MRI, and I can see in my mind's eye broken bones, torn ligaments, viral infections, bacterial infections, whatever. And then I watch energetic healings happen with that person. And the work that I do, Yannicka, I believe complements Western medicine as we know it. So you go see your doctor on the physical and the healings already happened on the energetic but the physical just needs a little help to integrate it into the body. I would love to get to know how you got into this in the first place. I believe there must be a story there because for me, you know, I've always been curious about these questions, but then I had my depression and I started searching. And I believe maybe if I didn't have an, a depression, maybe I wouldn't have been doing what I'm doing today you know, because I really am passionate about people finding their purpose, uh, us opening up more about these questions, learning about the questions of, of life, like why we're here. So why did you become so passionate about this? Well, 30 years ago, I had a girlfriend give me a book for my birthday called Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Mays. And she called herself a medical intuitive. And I thought, what the heck is that? I'd never heard that term before. And I read her book. And back then we didn't have the internet yet. So I did the old fashioned thing and I went to a bookstore to see what else was there about this. Now, mind you, I was in the medical supply business. For, I had been for 10, almost 10 years at that point, had started my first company, had invented my first product and it was being sold throughout the world. And so I thought, okay, this is interesting. I want to know more. So I went to a bookstore. I found a book 
called Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan, who's a former NASA physicist. She was a rocket scientist, truly, who parlayed very complex quantum physics principles into understandable English as it pertained to energetic healing. And I read her book and I wanted to know more. So what I did was I called her school to see if there was anybody in my area teaching what she devised or whatever her techniques were. And sure enough, there was. And so I studied with that woman for six years. And the whole, the whole time, Yannick, it was so funny because people were saying, well, what are you going to do with this? I'd say, I don't know. Why are you studying this? I don't know. Why are you spending all this money on this? I don't know. In the meantime, I was a mom, I was a wife, I was a businesswoman, I was running companies, I had multiple companies at that point, but I was being led to learn this stuff. And now fast forward 30 years later, and I do it full time. I sold my surgical device manufacturing company and I thought, all right, what am I gonna do next? And, and, and I'm a serial entrepreneur. I founded nine companies in five industries in my lifetime. So I thought, well, okay, I guess I'm being led to do this woo-woo stuff. And that's where it's all developed from there. I, I love that, especially that you're saying woo-woo, because, uh, yeah, I mean, I can imagine from what you were doing before, it, it seems like quite a, a jump and a leap. And I hear many people are saying the same, that they just felt called to do it. And it feels like you almost cannot not do it. You just have to do it. Did you feel it that strongly? Oh, I have a fun story about how what was the catalyst to really get me from learning this stuff to actually doing something with it. And one day I was at my mentor and teacher's office and she was doing an energetic healing on me. And when that happens, I'm laying face up on a massage table and I got a blankie on and I'm all warm and snuggly and, you know, comfy. And my deceased loved one's spirits line the sides of the table and they participate in the healing and I can see them in my mind's eye. So one day, Yannicka, this dead Pope shows up at the end of the table down on the left corner on the end of the table. And he had his Pope hat on and his vestments and had a shepherd's rod, the whole nine yards. And I said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Clement. And I said, I never heard of a Pope Clement. Now I went through 12 years of Catholic schools. So I'd heard of a lot of popes, but I never heard of a Clement. And he laughed and he said, well, I was number six. I said, great. What can I do for you? Kind of like, why are you here? And he said, you're supposed to teach the world what happens when somebody dies. And I laughed and I said, uh, that's not going to happen. I'm a businesswoman and everybody will think I'm nuts. And he said, yeah, 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 yeah. Just get on with it. He said, everybody's so afraid of what's going to happen and it's nonsense. He says, it's glorious. And you know that you can see it. So you're supposed to teach everybody what happens and everything you've done in your career is going to lead you, has led you to this place and will continue to lead you in helping teach people what happens. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm not doing that. And my mentor, Susan, could see this guy too and could hear him, his spirit, Pope Clement the Sixth. So I get in my car to go home, Yannicka, and just for kicks, I looked him up on the internet on my phone. Turns out this guy was in office during the Black Plague, where two-thirds of Europe died. And he's best known for his prayers for the dying and his prayers for the dead. And I thought, Julie, you can't make that up. 
I've never heard of this guy. And then that's what he's best known for. So fast forward a couple of years and I'm sitting in church between my husband and my son. And the priest from the altar says, wouldn't it be nice if somebody could tell us if really angels and our loved ones greet us and lead us into paradise, you know, lead us to heaven. And I'm getting elbowed on either side from my husband and my son. And so I'm saying, okay, God, really from the pulpit in the middle of church, you're giving me grief about this. And so that was really the final catalyst to get me to do something with this. And that's when I wrote Angelic Attendance. What really happens as we transition from this life into the next. Ah, beautiful. I'm so glad you're following your calling. And I'm very curious about, you know, the, the different faces, because that's something I haven't heard before. I've interviewed many uh, who have died and come back. And I assume, you know, there are some faces. It's just something I haven't you know, thought about. So uh, please share like how this first came into your awareness that there are 12 phases that happens before we die. And how does that work? You know, does it happen instantly or? Yeah, there's a lot of questions there. So, so how did you become aware of that? When my mother was dying in 2002, I had been studying the the energy healing. And that, that was the thing that really drew me in was the energy healing. That was what I was the most fascinated with. And as I mentioned before, once you connect with spirit, then you can do it all. There's no reason to segregate the different, different types of, you know, talking to dead people or doing medical stuff or talking to pets. But the phases of transition, I call the 12 phases of transition are a configuration of angels and the spirits of deceased loved ones and pets that change as we get closer to death. And it's a glorious scene. And what I find is that you can go through this instantly, like in the case of a homicide or suicide, or it can take days, weeks, months, years, even. I had a gal that called into my show for two years and her dad was dying of Alzheimer's. He had Alzheimer's and he was in phase 11 of 12, 12 as you're being escorted to heaven by angels. But this is ancient, ancient information that I've just put into understandable language and, and graphics so that people can really figure out what's going on. So for instance, there's a prayer said at the end of every Catholic funeral called in paradisum. And it talks about the angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise. Well, that's what I see in the 12 phases of transition. So when I was writing angelic attendance, I thought, well, I'm going to research this and see where this you know, in paradisum prayer, which is Latin for into paradise. Where did that originate? And what I learned, Janneke, was that it started as a fifth century Gregorian chant. So perhaps it took till the fifth century till somebody was well-educated enough that they could really write down what everybody saw back then. And I think probably up until maybe a couple hundred years ago when we've become more proof-based, I think everybody's intuitive. And I think we've seen this since the beginning of time, but maybe it took till the fifth century till somebody was educated enough that they could read and write. And most of the most well-educated people were men living in monasteries and synagogues. So I picture some monk, you know, writing this down as a chant, as a Gregorian chant, and then it's come down as a prayer.
I just get to see in my mind's eye what's happening. All right. So would you like to share some of the faces? Because I bet people are really curious about some. Yeah. Yeah. Phase one, and and there's a chart of this on my website, AskJulieRyan.com, and people can download it for free. So I always say, if you have somebody at the end of their life or somebody who's just died, download it, save it on your phone. And as your loved one is getting closer and closer to death, just ask in your mind, what phase is my grandmother in? What phase of transition is my grandmother in? You're going to hear a number. It'll be like four or seven or whatever. That's the number coming from spirit. And then you refer to the chart and it gives you a sense of comfort and peace. And it has a glorious component to what is normally a heart-wrenching experience when we're losing a loved one. And we're all going to go through the 12 phases of transition because we're all going to die at some point, right? So it really adds comfort to the whole dying process. When we're dying, our spirit is in is holographic and surrounds our our body it's all intertwined as i perceive it and so the spirit starts to exit the body and it comes out through the top of the head it looks like a speech bubble on a cartoon where it's the character's thoughts or words what they're saying huh. and then the first person to show up is the closest maternal spirit who to the person who's dying. So if your mom's still alive, it may be your maternal grandmother. If she's still alive, it'll be her mother. It's always on the maternal line. That really surprised me, Yannicka. I thought it'd be the person's guardian angel, or I thought maybe maybe God had like special angels of death that he would dispatch when it was somebody's time, you know, to come back to heaven. It really surprised me that it was the maternal spirit closest to the person who's dying. Although the more I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, moms take care of their children their whole lives. We think when they're raised that, you know, we're done being a mom, we're never done being a mom. And I'm here to tell you that moms are, are doing the mom thing from the grave too. So they are the ones that are running the show. The second spirit that comes in is the paternal spirit. So the person's dad, if their dad is still alive, it's going to be the maternal grandfather. Again, it's always going to be on the maternal side of the equation. I think it's interesting on that maternal line thing because there are cultures and religions that focus on the maternal line. For instance, if a child is born of a Jewish mother, that child is considered Jewish. But if a child whose dad is Jewish, but the mom's a Gentile, that baby's not considered a Jew. The mom has to be a Jew, which is why oftentimes if a Gentile woman is marrying a Jewish man and they want to raise the children Jewish, the woman will convert to Judaism, which I think is fascinating. So that correlates with what I see happening with the mom running the show, the mom's spirit. So that's the first thing. Then the mom brings in the angels. And the angels, the parents' spirits will be at the person's feet. And then this circle of angels that are anchored by the parents will be the next phase. And these are big old angels, Yannicka. They're, they're like six, seven feet tall. They got big wings. They're wearing white gowns. They've got a 
belt made a rope, they're barefoot, they got long hair cascading down, you know, on their shoulders. And they're there. And they're part of the, excuse me, I call it the welcome to heaven committee. And so is that what angels really look like? It's what they look like to me, because that's what I was taught how they look. You know, I'm a Catholic girl. So that's what they look like in the statuary and the paintings. That's what I was taught. Somebody growing up in an indigenous culture, say in the middle of the Amazon, well, they may see angel energy as just a purple blob. So I think it's important to remember that we're going to perceive spirit based on our frame of reference from our experience in our lifetime. So we can understand who it is and get a sense for that. So the angels are in a circle. The parents are at the foot of the person who's dying. As the person gets closer and closer to death, as the phases go through, that circle opens up into a horseshoe and then eventually forms a straight line across the foot of the bed. Now, this pertains back to what I said before, whether somebody's dying in a bed, whether they die instantly in a car accident or whatever. I'm just using this as a frame of reference. A couple of interesting things happen along the way. More and more spirits of deceased loved ones from all lifetimes show up. And how I can tell they're from different lifetimes is they'll be in period dress. So I may see people that are dressed in Renaissance era clothes. I may see, again, see in my mind's eye, I may see people dressed in like turn of the 20th century clothing or... 1960s, white go-go boots and midi skirts, whatever. And so they come in, more and more spirits, as part of the Welcome to Heaven committee, keep coming in. And then pet spirits come in. And that's hilarious when that starts to show up, when those pet spirits start to show up, because you know they look like what they look like when they were alive. I will say to the family, okay, there's a collie dog there. There's a German shepherd. There's a little foo-foo dog. Looks like it's a shih tzu or something. I'll see horses, cows, farm animals. Uh, It just goes on and on. Bunny rabbits, ducks, whatever. And so what I'll see the farm animals and the the non-traditional pet animals, I'll say, okay, did your grandma grow up on a farm? Because there's cows and horses and chicks and ducks. And they'll say, yeah, the cow. And I'll describe what the cow looks like. They'll say, yeah, that was dairy cow. And her name was Bessie. And her horse's name was Trigger or whatever. It's wild because people recognize these animal spirits and they can name them. They know exactly who they are. When my mother was dying, there were these dog spirits that were there. And I didn't know who they were. I figured they had been there when she was a child because the dogs that we'd had in my lifetime as a family were there. Their spirits were there, a white German shepherd and a, a chow dog that we had when I was a kid. So anyways, when my uncle came in from my mother's funeral, I was describing these dogs to him and he said, oh yeah, that's Rowdy and that's Susie. And he knew exactly who they were. So they'll be there. And then a couple of other interesting nuances that happened during the phases in phase about going from around phase six, that spirit bubble I talked about at the top of the head that's hanging on while somebody is dying in the phases of dying, 
there are two extra angels that show up on either side of the spirit bubble, I call it. And about phase mm, nine-ish or so, their wings start to move. Now, this was wild when I saw this for the first time with my mom. I'm used to it now, but their wings moved. And Yannicka, they reminded me of a um, giant owl. You know, if you watch a documentary on a giant owl, you can almost feel the drag of their wings. And they're silent, but you can feel that the, the motion of the air under their wings. So I'm watching this with my mom, and I'm starting to see a vortex form above her head. And I can see it, and I can feel it. It has an upward pull in it, and I can hear it. And it reminds me of going through one of those car washes where you stay in the car and at the end they're turning the dryer on and it's sucking all the water off the car. That's what it reminds me of. And when this was happening with my mom, I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. What's, what's, I wonder what's going to happen. I knew it was playing a role. I just didn't know how, because I had never seen it before. Well, that's exactly where the spirit goes through. A lot of near-death experiencers will talk about going through a tunnel. That's the tunnel. And that's what helps take the spirit and detach it from the body. And then those angels on either side of the spirit bubble escort that person to heaven. And I'll explain that in a second. The interesting thing about the tunnel, though, and the angel's wings moving to create this vortex is I thought this this is fascinating because it's a phenomenon in the spirit world that's causing something I can feel in my human body and I can hear it. So I researched it when I was writing Angelic Attendance. Well, come to find out there's this thing called the wingtip vortex, which is a phenomenon that happens with everything that flies, whether it be a bird, a plane, a bug, a kite, a jet, whatever, it doesn't matter. And the movement of the air under the wings causes a vortex, causes vortices to form on either side of the wings, and it causes lift. So if you go look up wingtip vortex, you will find probably hundreds of thousands of aeronautical engineering drawings and aeronautical engineering uh, articles and things like that on the wingtip vortex. And that's what happens when somebody's dying. Again, I'm thinking, okay, I can't make this stuff up. I never heard of the wingtip vortex, but boy, I sure watched it with my mother and I've seen it thousands of times since. Yeah, right. Did you first time see it with your mother and then yeah. you start to see it again and again with your clients? Or Yes, all the phases of transition I see with everybody that's dying. And people call into my show and they'll say, my granddad is dying can you tell me what phase he's in or they'll they'll submit a question online or or something like that yeah and then and then we can tell in a second okay here's where he is and there are always three questions that i ask when somebody's dying and i and i this is what i teach to people all over the world so there's people all over the world doing the 12 phases of transition and the three questions that i always ask yanaka are are you ready to go and they'll tell me yes or no are you in pain? Yes or no. What do you need? And they'll tell me. 
And that'll range from, I'm waiting for my daughter to arrive to say goodbye. I want to go home to things that are complicated. Here's where my will is. Here's the bank. Here's the street corner. Here's the lockbox inside the bank, the safety deposit box. I've even gotten stuff like that. May I share my favorite story though, of what somebody told me when they were dying? Please. There was a woman whose dad was, I think he was probably about 90 and he was in intensive care and he was hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. And so I was in touch with her and she said, what is he waiting for? And Yannicka, he kept saying, I want her to file my quarterly estimated taxes. (laughs) And she said, oh, for heaven's sakes, why does he care about his taxes? Tell him not to worry about it. Just go on and go to heaven, go be with my mom and just, you know, enjoy the ride. So one day after two weeks of this, she calls me and she says, can you please find out what does my dad need to go on and go? They'd had him off the ventilator. You know, they thought he'd go within a matter of minutes. Here it's two weeks. He's still hanging on. So he's saying, I want her to file my quarterly estimated taxes. So I said to her, her name's Angela. I said, Angela, go to his house and, and just go get the taxes and put them in the mailbox. She said, I don't even know where they are. So I'm talking to her dad, who's still in the ICU at the hospital. And he says, they're in my desk, in my bedroom, second middle drawer on the left. I said to Angela, go to his house, go see if they were there. Just, I mean, you don't have anything to lose at this point. So she does, Yannicka. She finds that he has not only signed the taxes, he's written out the check, they're in an envelope. They're in one of those big eight and a half by 11, you know, brown envelopes. All the right stamps are on there and everything. And so she calls me. She says, they're here. I said, all right, just seal it and put it in the mailbox on your way back to the post office. So she did. She got back. He died within a couple of hours. Oh. Now, come to find out, she was the executor of his fairly good size estate. I mean, he wasn't a bazillionaire, but he was, he had a lot of money. Come to find out by the postmark being the date that he died, it saved her so many headaches in trying to settle his estate. And that's what he was waiting for. You just never know what the stories are going to be. It's, it's so much fun to be able to, to be just a little teeny, teeny part of helping the person who's dying, you know, get their wishes known to their families and also helping to comfort the family just a little bit. Yeah. During the process. I mean, you have quite the assignment, you know, to teach the world about what happened. Yeah, no kidding. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Um, Have you been watching a lot of like near-death experiencers uh, and what they tell? And does your experience correlate with what they're a lot of what they are saying? Parts of it do. Parts of it do. The the tunnel thing does. The the all spirits are pure love thing does. Absolutely. Them them seeing. Actually, it's interesting. There's been university-based research done in the last five years by a doctor named Chris Kerr here in New York, here in America, in New York. And his research shows that not close to 90% of people at the end of their lives report seeing the spirits of deceased loved ones and pets as they're approaching death. And his whole book called Death is But a Dream is all about that. 
I had him on my show and I said, I love it when science catches up with woo-woo because woo-woo has been around a whole lot longer than the science has. But the near-death experience is different from the death transition experience. What I've found is they're experiencing something at the near-death experience so they can bring it back and live their lives changed in a lot of instances and apply what they saw in that near-death experience to their the rest of their human life. And whether that involves teaching other people about it or just within their circle of family and friends. I don't see somebody going through the near-death experience going through the 12 phases of transition. Mm. That's a totally different thing because they're having an experience to come back Mm. to live their life, whereas the people who are dying are actually transitioning Mm. from this lifetime and going back to heaven. Can I explain what heaven fe- it looks like to me and what it feels like? Yeah. Yeah. Super yeah. curious. <laughs> it's really interesting. I, you know, I expected St. Peter being at, in the front of this big stone wall with a clipboard going, okay. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, you're allowed in. No, you got to go burn for eternity. No, you're allowed, you know, whatever. I'm kidding. But I did expect something like that. So by the way, hell doesn't exist. Everybody goes to heaven. So remember that, you know, hell was created by religions and cultures to control the masses, to get the masses to behave in a certain way. And it's totally, total nonsense. This is part of what Pope Clement VI wanted me to teach everybody. And he even said that when he first appeared. He goes, this is total nonsense. People stress out about dying. He's like, it's glorious. There's nothing to be afraid of. Everybody goes to heaven. So heaven looks like this big, huge plasma wall. And it's kind of whitish, yellowish. And when we go through it, there's no trace. It's like, imagine going through a plasma, but it immediately seals up. And once we get on the other side of the veil, some people call, I just call it the heavenly entrance, you know, it's the plasma wall. All our deceased loved ones and our pets and everybody that we ever loved that were there in the room with us as we were transitioning. They're all there in heaven too, waiting for us. And I call them the welcome to heaven committee. So they're here to greet us and 
and welcome us and be with us. Now, interestingly enough, there have been several of my clients and several people that have called into my show who've said, one guy in particular comes to mind. He said, when I was talking with his spirit and his daughter is my client, and we were chatting with his spirit and he said, she said, well, what was it like? And he said, the coolest thing was going through that vortex. And he said, it was all this kaleidoscope of colors it was all these amazing colors that I had never seen before. And he said, we think we can see a lot of colors in the rainbow. He goes, the rainbow is nothing. Where do you see what's in heaven? Colors like you can't even imagine. But the other thing he said was, the most fun part about it was, he said it was like a magic trick because all of those spirits that were in my room with me as I was dying, they were all in heaven when I got through the wall. He said it was amazing. It was like a big magic trick. And that cracked me up. I thought that was hilarious. Have you actually been able to see uh, some of heaven? Or did you just see, you know, to a certain degree, like you saw the faces and then it sort of stopped? Or have you had the ability to like peek inside? Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time. Yeah. Spirits will show us in our mind's eye different scenarios. And what they say the most it's been my experience, what they tell me as I'm talking with them and with their deceased loved ones who are my clients, is the coolest thing in heaven when we're in spirit form is they think a thought and it immediately materializes in less than a nanosecond. So I had one deceased dad's spirit. I was talking with his daughter and he was saying, this is great. I can be playing golf in Scotland in the morning and I can be skiing the Matterhorn, you know, immediately as soon as I, I might be in the middle of like walking down the fairway. And then I think, oh, it's getting, it's, you know, this is interesting, but I know how this works. And I maybe, maybe I'll try skiing and then they're immediately skiing down the Matterhorn. And then he may be skiing down the Matterhorn and he may be halfway down the mountain. And then he thinks, oh, maybe I'm going to go trout fishing or maybe I'm going to go salmon fishing in Alaska. And they immediately go to whatever that scene is. Now, what I get curious about is our personalities, uh, because you said that our family will wait for us, you know, and that's wonderful for me to hear. But how far goes that? I mean, what, what about if my grandfather, who is on the other side, wants to reincarnate? Does he have to wait for me to die? And how many of them have to wait before they can incarnate? And for, uh, from one perspective, this is a very mind question, because in the spirit world, I understand that everything happens at the same time. However, uh, is it possible that my grandfather is reincarnated or, or grandmother and that at the same time they're meeting me there when I go over? Great question. Hard for us to understand from a human perspective. It's been my experience that I've heard from thousands and thousands of spirits is most of our spirit, which is energy, stays in heaven. And a fractile of that spirit incarnates in this lifetime. In other lifetimes, I've heard many spirits and many teachers say, we live multiple lifetimes concurrently. That makes my human brain want to explode. <laughs> I just want to go, what? How? 
I don't understand it. I don't have a frame of reference for it. When I don't have a frame of reference for something that I hear from spirit or many spirits, where I go, Yannick, is I say to myself, okay, is it feasible? Yes. Do I understand it now? No. Will I when I get to heaven? Most likely. I believe, yes, I will. I don't think we're supposed to know everything in our human life. I think we're supposed to explore things and it leads us, our curiosity leads us to create things and to learn more. And it's, we're always curious. We're always creating new things. Hmm. One thing I would like to mention about the personality that came to mind when you brought up this question is the personality of the person stays with the body when somebody dies. All spirits are pure love. Again, that's a concept that's hard for us to really wrap our heads around simply because we have heard of, even if we haven't known, we've heard of bad people. You know, we've heard of the Hitlers and the other people that were mass murderers or whatever. And we think, how could that person be pure love? Well, their spirit is pure love. Their personality stays with that body when it dies. It's like they're playing a role in a movie. You understand that better than anybody. So what I hear from actors all the time, and, and I'd love to hear your input on this, is the most fun roles to play are the villain. Mm-hmm. Because the, I've heard that from many well-known actors. They say, yeah, it's fun to play the good guy, but it's really fun to play the bad guy because you can really delve into the personality and it has so many nuances about it. That's what I hear from spirit, that they come in because they want to explore something, say, as what we would consider an evil person. Hmm. Spirit tells me all the time, everything's neutral in heaven. There's no right, there's no wrong, there's no judgment, everything's neutral. We incarnate to have an experience. They look at it as just, oh, isn't that interesting? What's Yannick, you know, what's she learning from this? And we would look at a situation perhaps as horrific. We'd say, oh my gosh, how awful that she's going through this. Then Spirit's going, cool, what's she going to create out of this? How's she going to deal with this? What's, how, how's she going to maneuver this? What's she, what's she going to do? What's her thinking? You know, all of that. So they see that as an experience. Hmm. Yeah. Like when I was in my darkest depression, uh, I felt very frustrated that spirits were not there. And I, I can understand that from their perspective, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, what is she going to do with this? But for me, it was dead serious. And it seems sometimes like they're not able to understand what we're actually going through, like the suffering. Is that so that actually, you know, angels and spirits, like they have this distance to actually towards what we're experiencing Do you get my question? I do. And the answer is no, that is not the case. They were around you the whole time. You were in a low vibration with the depression. Everything that feels bad, every emotion that feels bad is always based in fear. Always, always, always. Whether it's anger, grief, boredom, actual fear, whatever, jealousy, rage, whatever. 
It's all based in fear. Fear is a low vibration. Spirit doesn't communicate on the I feel crappy channels because the vibration is too low. So spirit's a high vibration. All thoughts have a frequency and they're broadcast on a channel similar to a radio station or a satellite TV station. You know, you might be listening to classic rock on 94.7 megahertz. That's the frequency on which that music's being broadcast. Well, say you want to listen to country music. Well, they're not playing that music on the classic rock station. You got to change the channel because it's being broadcast on a different station. It's a similar situation with thoughts. Most of us think that our thoughts all originate in our heads. They do not. All thoughts come in from the ethers and they come in on a channel based on what we're thinking about at any given moment. So when we're depressed or we're feeling blue, you know how you'll have a thought and then it leads to another thought that, that and another thought, and another thought, and another thought before long, you feel awful because you've used your imagination to envision all this stuff that's not most likely going to happen, but that's what's being broadcast on that channel. So I came up with a technique. Spirit gave me a technique to help with that. May I share it with you? Yeah, sure. I call it the two minute rule. And when you have a thought that feels bad, it's based in fear, two kinds of fear. There's rational fear. There's irrational fear. Rational fear is going to hurt you or even kill you. Irrational fear is not just feels like it is. So that's one side of the, the equation. The other side is a thought feels good, right? When we have a thought that feels badly, we need to be able to discern, is this a real fear or a fake fear? Here's how you do it. You've got a thought, oh my gosh, I'm late for this meeting. And you're thinking, and it's, it's work-related. And so we're on that channel of, oh my gosh, I'm late for this meeting. And you're panicking. And, you're, and the next thought is, well, if I'm late for this meeting, then my boss is going to be mad. If my boss is mad, they may write me up. If I get written up too many times, then I may be put on probation. If I'm put on probation too many times, then I may lose my job. And then my family and I are going to be homeless and starving and die on the street. I mean, really? Probably not. So when you have that first thought of, oh my God, I'm going to be late for this meeting, you ask yourself, is this going to kill me in the next two minutes? I call it the two minute rule. The answer is yes. Then that's a rational fear. Change the circumstances before you get injured or killed. If the answer is no. You know, it's an irrational fear that's false. You're going to laugh a lot of the times because you're going to think, oh my gosh, quit being such a drama queen. And as soon as you ask that question, Yannicka, what happens is you change the channel. Because when we're in fear, what happens? We immediately go into fight or flight. When we're in fight or flight, our adrenaline gets raised. We release cortisol. Our heart rate goes up. The blood drains from our brain goes to our heart and our extremities so we can run away. You know, the stomach doesn't need to digest your meal if, if you're only going to be alive for another minute or two. doesn't matter. And the big thing is when we're in fight or flight, we lose clarity. So what you want to do is you want to nip that in the bud. You want to stop that fight or flight from happening. Mm -hmm. So the first time you feel if you have a thought that feels bad, ask yourself, is this going to kill me in the next two minutes? Yes mm -hmm. or no. Now. If you have that thought 
and you're standing in the middle of the road and there's a bus headed towards you, get out of the road. That's a rational fear. But the thing that's so great about the two minute rule, Yannicka, is it's free and it's convenient. It works anywhere your brain is and your brain's usually with you wherever you are. You can use it a bazillion times in a day. You can use it in any situation. Just play with it. It's only a yes or no answer, but what you're going to find is the more you do it, the more it becomes a habit and then you just stay out of fight or flight and it helps you stay in a high vibration, which attracts abundance that feels good, right? And it helps you get guidance from spirit because spirit's always guiding us, even in your darkest days, in your, you know, black night of the soul that you went through. Spirit was there, was communicating with you. You just were tuned to a different frequency because you were in depre you were depressed and you were in fear. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does make sense. And thank you so much for that two minute uh, practice. Uh, that's very yeah. helpful for everybody watching and myself. And I, I want to circle back to what you said about the heaven is neutral. Yeah. So uh, from what I understand, we plan our lives before we go down to this planet. And it's sort of like that we are characters that we agree upon having certain interactions so we spoke a little bit about you know evil people and bad people now so the, you're saying that they are their soul is completely loving and that heaven is neutral but it seems like there's still a consequence of their choices that when they die they have a life review so uh, where they get to experience the harm that they you know projected on others, what they did to others, they will experience themselves. Is that where the fairness gets into the picture? Because it seems to me that it would be strange if there was no consequences of making horrible choices in a life that uh, harming other people, for instance, Hitler and uh, yeah, gruesome people that have lived on this planet or serial killers that they would be no consequence. So what is your take on that? No judgment in heaven. Everything's seen as an experience. There is judgment on earth when we're in the human experience, but no judgment in heaven. I do hear about life reviews, usually from near-death experience people. I don't hear it much from spirits that have transitioned uh, completely. I do, I have heard about the life review where we get to see how our actions affected others. And then what do we do next time? We'll come back and reincarnate perhaps as one of those victims in a different circumstance. So we can explore that even further. And spirit sees that as just an experience. There's no right or wrong in heaven, which is totally against everything in our Western world that we've ever been taught, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we've all been taught, well, you better live a good life here. Or you're going to go burn in hell for eternity and you're not going to be allowed in heaven and all of that. And that's part of what I'm being led to teach is that it's all pure love. All those NDE people with whom you've spoken, they all say the same thing, regardless of their culture or their education level or what they do or whatever. They all say it's pure love. There's no judgment. 
And that's what I've heard thousands and thousands of times. Mm. Now, having said all that, I talked to a woman this morning who had lost a, a, she delivered a baby boy. He was fine. And he died three days later. And she's obviously in deep grief. This just happened last week. And she was saying, I, I don't understand what happened. How could this happen? And so we talked to her baby's spirit and he wanted, he gave her several answers, but the big one was, I experienced everything I wanted to experience in that three days. And he said, it would be the equivalent of millions of human lifetimes because time doesn't exist in the spirit world. Now this mother's agonizing over what happened? What she, what could she have done differently, if anything? All of that. But the other thing that I explained to her is what my what I've experienced with thousands of tens of thousands of clients is when we come in, we have a general script of things that we want to explore and experience, and then we look at it from different perspectives. In this woman's case, she was the mom who lost a baby. Perhaps in past lives, she was the baby who died after three days. She was the doctor. She was the sibling. She was a grandparent. She was the father. She was whatever. And so we're looking at it from different perspectives. When I look at past lives, and I do lots of what I call past life scans, where we'll get where somebody was, what the year was, what they were doing, and then we'll correlate that with what's happening in their current life. And it's really fun to do those, Janneke, because <laughs> oftentimes we can get information online that corroborates the information that we're getting from spirit. But how I explain past lives is, think of Hamlet. How many times has Hamlet been performed since Shakespeare wrote it in 1602? Who knows? Certainly same script, but what year was it performed? In what language? Where was it performed? By whom? Who was the customer? Who was the director? Who was the set designer? Same script, different perspective. And that's how I explain past lives. We'll come in and we'll look at things from different perspectives. And I'll see a semblance of the same script that will repeat throughout multiple lifetimes. Like, let's say you want to be a teacher. Well, maybe you're teaching in a school in one lifetime. Maybe you're a corporate teacher. Maybe you're a mom who's a teacher or a, I don't know, whatever. Somebody that teaches kids how to drive cars. It's endless, but it's different versions of a similar script. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I love that uh, analogy. Um, so the way you work, uh, is it like you just turn it on? Like, could you, for instance, see my grandparents right now, or do you have to go into like a deep trance or just I'm curious about how you work and how you see these spirits. <laughs> I turn it on and off in a nanosecond. That's what I teach. Don't need to meditate for an hour first. Don't need to twirl three times, raise your right hand and hop on your left foot. Not necessary. If that helps you, that's fine. But no, how I teach it is you turn it on and off at, at will. I don't walk around scanning people. I think that's unethical. I don't walk around seeing dead people. Something can trigger me to turn on my radar. And I got a great story about that that I'll share if you want. But it's no, it's it's just turning it on and off in a nanosecond. And everybody can do this and everybody does it. They're just not aware of it. So what I teach is how to develop and enhance it. 
So do you see any of, are there spirits around me now that you see? Thousands. 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 And your spirit guides are behind you in a, in a horseshoe. And they look like, again, my frame of reference, but they look like old men with long white hair, white beards, white gowns. Some are tall and skinny, some are portly, whatever. And picture Dumbledore or in the Harry Potter movies or Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings movies. And then when we talk to them individually, then they morph into what they look like in the lifetime that they lived that pertains to whatever you're asking about. So it's really fun. And they're in a they're in a horseshoe and they follow you wherever you are. Is that my my unique guides or is this, is that for everyone? Everybody ha- it's been my experience that everybody has seven spirit guides, main spirit guides around them at all times and their guardian angel and spirits of deceased loved ones through lots of lifetimes. But they they are different spirit guides, different lifetimes you know, are the spirit guides and it's, mm-hmm. it's really fascinating. Yeah. To... I'm not uh, kissing the faces. You spoke about this uh, horseshoe, but I hope yeah. I'm not in one of the faces already. No, 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 this is totally separate, totally separate. No, no, that's the angels go from a circle into a, a horseshoe and then a straight line across nice. the foot of the person's bed. But, but I have a fun story about turning my radar on. May I share it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was in a hotel in Austin, Texas, and it was an old hotel for America. I mean, you guys have stuff that's really old, but a couple hundred years old is old for us. And I'm in this hotel, and I'm reading about this man named uh, Colonel Driscoll, who made his fortune selling cattle to the the, um, uh, Confederate Army. That was the Southern Army during the American Civil War. Fine, fine, fine. I'm having lunch. I'm there on business. I'm having lunch and I'm reading in on the back of the menu, the history of the hotel. And I learned that they had a spa there when the hotel opened and they would have visiting psychics and mediums that would come and work with the people in spa. And I thought, oh, that's cool. I want to learn more about that. So I went to the concierge after lunch and I said, can somebody give me a tour of the hotel? I'm, I'm really interested in seeing it. And she said, yes, we can, but you know, the hotel's haunted. And I said, great, I'm a psychic, so let's see. But if I pick up anything, I'll come back and let you know. And she said, okay. So we go on this tour and we go up the stairs. There were these two staircases that went up to the side and Colonel Driscoll's painting was in the middle. And it was a full life-size painting portrait of this guy. And he's smoking a cigar in the painting and he's looking very regal. So we go upstairs and that's where all the ballrooms were. And they had kind of this, oh, like an open area between all the ballrooms that were in a square around this open area. We get up there and my little tour guide, who was the bellman, young guy, is uh, he's talking to me. and, And all of a sudden I'm smelling cigar smoke and I'm thinking... There is no way they're going to let somebody smoke in this hotel, let alone smoke a cigar. And so that was my clue to turn on my radar. So I did. And next thing I know, Yannicka, here comes Colonel Driscoll's spirit walking across the foyer of this area that, you know, is in the middle of all these ballrooms. And he's just hody doing across the across the floor, just checking everything out. So that was fun. So then we go in this 
ballroom and my radar's still on. I'm thinking, okay, let's see what else I can see. So we're in this other ballroom and it ha- it's massive and it has these huge gold leaf mirrors, eight of them on all the walls. And at the top of each mirror is carved into the wood is a cameo of a woman. So this cute little bellman says, we think that these mirrors came from Emperor Maximilian's palace in Mexico City. And we believe that the cameo at the top is his wife, Carlotta. I'm hearing in my head, how's that Carlotta? That's Lucinda, his mistress. And I'm thinking, okay. So I asked the bellman, I said, have you ever heard of a Lucinda, his his, uh, Maximilian's mistress? And he said, no. Okay. So he's going on and telling me about the Rome and everything. So I called in Lucinda and Carlotta's spirits and they looked like they were big buddies and they showed up in these ball gowns, like turn of late 18th century, you know, turn of the 20, no, like in the late 1800s, I should say, turn of the century. And they got hoop skirts on and their silk and they got the jewels and the tiaras and the whole nine yards. <laughs> and I said to them, who is that? on the top of the those frames of the mirrors. And, and Lucinda says, it's me. And I said, okay, yeah, that's what I was getting. And, and they were great. So I chatted with them for a couple of minutes while this guy's little bellman's talking. So fast forward, um, speaking at a business conference, I go to the business conference. I stop at a store on my way there. And I this woman in the parking lot says to me, uh, welcome to town. Or she said, lovely day. I said, yeah, I'm visiting. She said, welcome to town, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, uh, I just had lunch at the Driscoll Hotel. And she said, oh, you know, it's haunted. And I said, yeah, I, I'm a psychic. I, I saw some stuff. And she said, now, what's the chance of this happening? She says, well, I'm a publisher. And there's a book that just went to press today on the Driscoll Hotel. Would you be willing to write an afterword? about your experiences there. This is in the parking lot of a grocery store. I'm having this conversation with this woman. I said, sure. She said, but I need it in the next couple of days because you know this is going to print. I said, okay, okay, okay. So I write the afterword on the plane home on my laptop. I get home, I walk into my office and I just did an internet search on Emperor Maximilian, Carlotta and Lucinda. All this stuff shows up, Yannicka, about Maximilian, his wife, Carlotta, and his mistress, Lucinda. And it's even in college textbooks. So, you know, I say you can't make this stuff up. But that's a fun story about I didn't have my radar on, but I smelled cigar smoke and it just unleashed this whole cascade of a fun experience. Fascinating way of living, Julie. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's fun. But most of the time by day, you know, I'm like a wife and a mom and I'm doing laundry and cooking dinner and doing regular stuff. Yeah. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. And I have three questions that I ask all my guests. And the first one is, what is self-love to you? Living a life of joy. Mm-hmm. Finding joy in everything. And then what is happiness to you? Joy. It's all about joy. Yeah. And what is the deeper meaning of life from your perspective? We're here to create and live a life of joy. And we never finish creating. We create all day long. 
And when we die and we go to heaven, what do we do? We explore what our next life's going to be. We create what we're going to come in and explore next time around. So it's all about creating and it's all about finding joy in everything. Mm, very inspiring. Thank you so much for, you know, saying yes to this big assignment. And uh, please share where people can reach you. AskJulieRyan.com. Everything's there. Do the Ask Julie Ryan show. We release that every Friday. It's on YouTube. It's on all the podcast channels. Uh, and then we release an interview. So your interview will be released, my interview of you, which was fun. Yeah. That'll be released here soon as well. And I do uh, online training. I do in-person training to learn how to do the whole buffet of psychicness. Everybody can do this. And it's just a matter of developing and enhancing it. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming to the show, Julie. My honor. Thanks for having me. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you want to become more who you are and live in alignment with your soul's purpose and explore a deeper meaning with your life, then you are most welcome to join Wisdom from North membership. If you want to go deeper, you can find all our English online courses and programs at wisdomfromnorth.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube just by searching for Wisdom From North. Until the next episode, much light from here.